Uh, thanks, really interesting talk. Um, I was just wondering, there's a lot of things on there about um, checklists and teams and people kind of supporting each other to make sure mistakes don't happen. Um, but a lot of vets, um, first pin of practice often work completely on their own, often in the middle of the night. And I wonder um, if you think there's an argument for always having a nurse on call with you or always having more than one person around to help reduce mistakes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the great things about um, the, the work that's been done in aviation is that um, inherently people are safer when they work in teams yeah. just because simply you've got somebody to check what you're doing. And vets are... Um, and, and this is, is probably a cultural element of the whole problem, but... Um, vets are still human and although we, we endeavour every day to do our, um, the best that we possibly can we are still human and we will make mistakes and in aviation they teach um, the um, other members of the, avia- uh, the other members, members of the air crew to speak up if they see the, the captain make a mistake um, and, and the captains in the captains in, in aviation have been taught to receive this, these um, these things, these bits of advice in the right way. That's another problem with vets perhaps taking offence if somebody says, oh, you haven't done that. Um, um, but it's just, it's just human nature. We need, we need people um, double-checking us. So we um, introduced a checklist into my practice, um, my old practice, about a year ago now. And, but I think the most important thing is to agree the checklist amongst the team. And you didn't actually mention that, but I think that that's really important. So you have because then they buy into it and they take ownership. And I think that if you yeah. try and impose a checklist, yeah. it's never going to work. Yeah. But if you sit them down, we, we sat down with all the vets and said, okay, so the Priyana said, hey, what things do we think are important? Where do we think mistakes are being made? So let's put them down on the checklist. And then again, for um, surgery, post-op, and recovery, and so on. And I just think I just wanted to say that I think getting buy-in and yeah. working it out as a team is really important. Absolutely, and it's, it's all about that team effort, isn't it? Um, I, I know that recently um, Catherine Oxterby and a, and a colleague of hers have, have written an article for In Practice um, just on that, how, how to introduce your checklist, because that's, that's half the battle, uh, most definitely. A question uh, about uh, the comparison with the aviation industry. Yeah. As we know, in serious incidents like the uh, German aircraft that was crashed into the mountain, uh, that prompted an immediate change across the profession so that now there are always two people in the uh, cockpit of any aircraft. Uh, The problem we have, of course, is communication within the profession. And I just wonder whether perhaps through RCVS knowledge there can be major incidents, major occurrences and common occurrences highlighted and explained and the corrective action that has been concluded, particularly perhaps by the VDS, that they could be highlighted so that the profession can learn from them like the aviation industry do. Absolutely, and, and that's and it's all about um, changing the culture from from one where we're afraid to um, admit our mistakes um, and afraid of the consequences of admitting our mistakes to a culture where talking about error and and talking about the mistakes that we make 
almost on a weekly basis, inevitably, where, where the culture has changed to the point where we, we, we don't feel bad about ourselves to, to, to admit them. Um, and we sort of take on board that, um, you know, everybody is, is just only human. Um, so that, that learning, yeah, that learning culture is, is very much part of something that we need to, we need to learn. <laughs> To that point, um, I'm, I'm from the States, and I would say in recent years, uh, younger veterinarians and ones that are getting liability insurance for the first time and malpractice insurance for the first time have been encouraged by insurance companies in the United States as soon as something happens that they think may become a problem to go ahead and report that. And I don't know if, just in case, they write up what the situation was, they submit it to the underwriter, and I wonder if there are reports like that being held by these companies um, and if that could be useful uh, in, in a retrospective look at, you know, what we've come from and where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's getting different bodies within the profession to, to start talking about, about mistakes and possibly, arguably, we need, to, we need to take a more sort of joined-up approach to it if we're, if we're serious about um, driving down error in the, in the profession. Uh, it's just, yeah, holding that... Holding that. Quite apart from the learning from mistakes, because one of the biggest mistakes people make is in not communicating to clients when things are wrong. And often that diffuses the situation enormously. It's the hiding of the mistakes that makes Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating area because I feel it, it sort of um, crosses a number of sort of boundaries within the profession. You've got um, a debate around quality of care. You've also got um, a debate about um, personal responsibility and, and also a debate about um, personal identity. You know, if, if, if I am a vet, is it okay to, to make a mistake and, and to start talking about it? So... Um, there's kind of a lot of work that probably needs to be done before we, we make serious inroads into some of those statistics. Well, you've given us an excellent talk and you've given us much to talk about. I'd just like this, I'm aware that coffee is outside, so thank Mark and you for welcome.